scripture reading today will be from Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today. Thanks, Monty, for loaning me your pulpit. Um, I'm excited to share some thoughts with you. Um, <clears throat> COVID-19, coronavirus disease. The topic of pretty much all of our conversations and has an effect on pretty much everything we do these days. Um, it raises some questions, some questions about disease, about sickness, about God, and about the Bible. And these questions sort of coincide with questions that have been on my mind for the last five or so years, questions provoked by uh, loss in our family, but also just my career in, in healthcare. Um, so what is the biblical worldview of disease, sickness, coronavirus, and suffering in general? I won't be addressing necessarily the why of why bad things happen in this world or how there can be so much suffering if there's a, a good and all-powerful God. Why would he allow that? What I would like to talk about is uh, the process that each of us go through to interpret our suffering when disease does come, when we experience loss. Um, we'll be reading from Luke 13, if you have your Bibles and want to be turning there. I think um, as human beings, we have this sort of innate need to um, assign meaning to the things that happen to us, especially the bad things. We often, it's interesting, I think we'll, we'll even um, accept a bad interpretation of what's going on, as long as we don't have to think that it is, it's meaningless, that there is no meaning to it. Um, and I see Jesus constantly, constantly throughout the Gospels doing what I would call interpretation, interpretation of people's lives and the events that are happening. We talk a lot about, you know, interpreting concepts like the kingdom of God or what it means to be Messiah. And Jesus constantly sort of reinterpreting for people what those, what those things really mean, what it really means to be a human in this world, what it really means to... Um, be righteous in God's sight. So this, this passage will go along with that theme of just the reinterpretation that Jesus is constantly doing. So let's just read Luke 13. I'll start in verse 1. 
And I'll kind of break this up in sections and we'll kind of talk about it as we go. Luke 13, 1. Now there were some present at this time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Okay, so let's pause. Something weird's going on here. Um, commentators don't know exactly. We don't have recorded anywhere else in history what exactly they're talking about, this sort of current event that they bring up to Jesus. But apparently Pilate had done something very violent to some Galileans who were going down to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices. It says he had mixed their blood with the blood of the sacrifices. Wrong place, wrong time, I guess. Um, but Jesus said, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. The two situations of great suffering, one brought about by Pilate, you could say human evil, one maybe a freak accident where the Tower of Siloam was a, a tower on the wall around Jerusalem. Apparently it fell on some people, um, killing 18. And I think the popular worldview of the Jewish people at the time, and I see this throughout the Gospels, is to jump to the conclusion that it must be judgment for sin. Right? Some weird thing happens, someone's life is cut short, or someone gets leprosy, or, or they're, they're blind. You know, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus is like, neither. That's not exactly how judgment works. Um, so he's providing this reinterpretation of their worldview on, on judgment and, and why bad things happen. Um, then he tells a parable about it. I think this parable is about judgment. And it's here in verse 6. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, then cut it down. I used to read this parable and think God was the one who wanted to cut down the tree. That's not my interpretation anymore. I think God in this parable, Jesus is saying God is the one, the vineyard worker, who says, no, let's give it a second chance. Let's dig around it, let's fertilize it, let's give it a second chance. And I think Jesus has been reading his Bible. I mean, in Exodus 34, this is how God is described, the famous verse where God sort of gives a self-description, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, uh, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. I think we like that, he does not leave the guilty unpunished part. But I think Jesus is emphasizing 
the forgiveness of sin and wickedness. So maybe we are the vineyard owner in this parable. We are the ones, like the ones who jumped to the conclusion about God's judgment on the the people who suffered in the stories above here. We're the ones that say, "Uh, wickedness, judgment, it's God judging them, they deserved it. But Jesus is saying, no, God, God is all about giving second chances. He doesn't leave the guilty unpunished, but let's fertilize it. Let's give it one more year. Let's give it one more chance. I think that's what Jesus is saying God's like. So this comes into play when we get sick, I think, or when a pandemic happens. We have that knee-jerk reaction, and we want to say, we want to give it some meaning. We want to say that there's some meaning to all this suffering in the world, but we have to be careful. We're fallible interpreters of suffering. I saw this in my profession. I'm, I work in healthcare, and I worked as a diabetes educator for a while, and I had several diabetic patients who told me straight up, God gave me diabetes because of some you know, sin I've committed. I deserve this. And had that sort of fatalistic view of it. And it was, I wanted to say, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Let's not jump to any conclusions here. One of my good, good friends, Percy, um, when I first met him, in one of our first conversations about God, Percy was, a few years before that, Percy's dad had passed away. And they were very close. They you know, lived in the same house, and Percy really admired his dad and looked up to him. But for the past few years, it kind of came out that Percy was really mad at God, really mad at God for what he said, you know, taking my dad away from me. He was carrying around that anger and that bitterness that interpretation of what had happened. And it had driven this wedge between him and God. Um, And that's really sad. That happens a lot, I think, um, with us. We have these knee-jerk interpretations. Many of us have experienced illness or loss or suffering. And without realizing it, we've interpreted those events in ways that we cling to but that may be untrue. We need Jesus to do for us what I see him doing here in this passage, and that's reinterpret our suffering. The guilt, the shame, the self-hate, the anger, the bitterness that sometimes grow out of our interpretations of our life events can be detrimental to our well-being. We are notoriously bad interpreters. As any psychologist or elder would probably tell you through their experiences. The good news is that the Jesus we read about here, the Jesus who reinterprets things, is still alive. And we can communicate with him, actually. The more I ask questions about the Bible and, you know, what is the root cause of all disease and, and suffering in our world? Sort of the more categories I'm able to come up with. 
you know, the dangerous nature of the wildlife in this world, both macroscopic and microscopic, that we have to learn to live in harmony with. The fallenness of mankind and our proclivity to harm one another. The bad attitudes and behaviors that we, that we have. Environmental toxins, divine discipline, spiritual evil, all of these could be valid interpretations according to the Bible of why we get sick and why we suffer. So there's no one simple theory of everything. There's no one simple answer as to why we get sick. And the trouble is that it can be impossible to discern with all of these unseen reasons, possibilities of what is the actual truth of our suffering. It can be impossible as humans to really grasp what's really going on. But Jesus is omniscient, right? He's all-knowing. So I think we should be praying to him. And this is sort of the crux of, one, of my message today. Are we asking him, are we inviting him to help us with that interpretive process? You know, Lord, this is what's going on. Help, help me interpret my suffering. Help me interpret my loss. And I'm not saying that you'll hear a voice from the sky. But he has ways of revealing things to us, right? And I think he longs to give us that interpretation. That's why I chose as our scripture reading today that passage from Matthew chapter 11. And I'll read it again because it bears repeating. It's a prayer, sort of an out loud prayer that Jesus prays so that we can get a glimpse of what he's thinking and, and how he operates. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. That's us, right? We think ourselves pretty wise and, and, and learned sometimes. And revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And this is the invitation, I think. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Do you know what a yoke is? The rabbis talked about their yoke. It's their interpretation of the Torah. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my interpretation is easy. My burden is light. The other day I put August in timeout. I don't remember what it was for. There's been so many. No, just kidding. But I heard her sort of grumbling in her timeout seat. I'm just doing this because you're a mean daddy, is what she said. <laughs> it wasn't true. It was her interpretation of what was going on, but it really wasn't true, and I longed to give her the real interpretation. You know, what's really going on is I love you. That's why I'm doing this. But in her stubbornness, in that moment, she didn't want to hear that. And that's us sometimes, right? We 
cling to our interpretations and we're stubborn and we never invite the Lord to interpret things for us. But he wants to. So that's my challenge for you this week is to, in prayer, contemplate the suffering that you've been through, the loss that you've experienced. And to bring that before Jesus and to ask him for help interpreting those things. And as he says, you will find rest for your souls. Thanks for the opportunity to speak. Love you all. Thanks.